Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew LaPau. Let's start the show. We have a really special episode for you today on the podcast. Guthrie Trapp is on the show, and I met him a few years ago um, at his show at Acme Feed and Seed, Um, and we just got to talking about guitar, life, music, um, being original in music. He just released a record, kind of a mix of original songs and covers, called Life After Dark um, with a lot of terrific special guests. You can check that out on his website. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with Guthrie's work, let me let me just read from his website uh, just a sh- really short list of people that he's played with. Here we go. Allison Krauss, John Oates, Travis Tritt, Patty Loveless, George Jones, Trisha Yearwood, Roseanne Cash, Albert Lee, Tanya Tucker, Garth Brooks, Delbert McClinton, Emmy Lou Harris, Earl Scruggs. It, it's a, kind of amazing. So without further ado, here's my interview with Guthrie Trap. Enjoy. something you know this is a town where you can jump on it and ma- actually make something happen I mean people's dreams come true here you know mm-hmm. I mean this is a place where you move to really make the things that you want to do in your life happen I mean if you're in in the music world I mean you can do if you want to if your dream is to become a manager move to Nashville yeah it's a cheap place to live it's it's easy to get around it's it's not like moving to New York or L.A. where I could never survive living in L.A. with the traffic or yeah. the cost of living or in New York with the winters and the... the you don't, do you, you not know. think that it would work out for you if you went to either place? Well, it, it probably would if I would have gone there when I moved here right. in my I, early really 20s. Young. But yeah. now I'm so established here because I've been here for 13 years that I would never move anywhere else. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I, don't th- I think I'll probably be here forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless I just get tired of it and want to move to a beach somewhere. <laughs> I mean, which, you know, that could happen too, but I don't see it happening in, in the near future, you know. Mm-hmm. I got too much stuff going on here, and and, um, and I'm having fun here, you know. The yeah. people are great. I mean, you know, we finally got some good food, and <laughs> and uh, there's some you know, great venues, and there's like some great, I mean, the, the amount of the pool of musicians and music business and all, all the kind of stuff that we, we, we need, fortunately and unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's all here, you know. I mean, unfortunately, we do have to deal a little bit with the music business if you want to make a real living in, in the mm-hmm. music world. You know, we can't. You can't go. There's very few people that can go all art and no commerce. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I would love to just play my instrumental music and and uh, be able to sell a lot of CDs and, and pack places out. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. man, I mean, you know, without getting too dark about it. There are a lot of fans that love guitar music, and I'm happy to have a lot of great fans and people that are devoted followers of real music. But the majority of people, man, you're like you're in a demographic that's more like a jazz world, yeah. Where there's very few people that are going to get what you're doing unless they truly enjoy it. And there are those people out there. It's just a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, you know, you kind of got to bridge a little bit of art versus commerce. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta. You got to have something and create something that people want in order to buy something from you to where you can make a living, whether it's your 
services or it's your your merchandise or whatever it is you know and that could be i mean i, I had a guy in new york tell me a long time ago he goes man if you want to make a living playing the guitar you got to have a lot of irons in the fire mm -hmm. you know and there's a few different ways to look at that i mean you can either be like me and have a lot of different irons in the fire and you know they're hitting and you're getting checks and stuff from okay like your cd and i've got a signature model pedal and there's all these things there's different things of sources of income coming in and I've streamlined it to where I don't have to really do anything I don't want to do. I don't have to play a lot of bad music, really hardly ever, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky to be able to play great music. And I've kind of tailored my life that way because I, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to play shitty music. Yeah. Or what I consider to be shitty music, you know. And I'm really lucky to, to not have to do that. But, the, you know, there's, there's that way to do it. And then there's joining like a really great band right. and being a band member. Like, look at Widespread Panic or something mm -hmm. like that, where, you know, Jimmy Herring's out there playing with those guys. Those guys are making tons of money playing, but they're having fun. You know, they're mm -hmm. doing their music that they love and they write, and they've got a devoted following. Or Fish, or, mm -hmm. I mean, insert any band. Yeah. You know, I'm just bringing those guys up. But, you know, any kind of, like, collective band uh, where, I mean, that's another way to do it. If you got a band and you're members of the band and you're doing really great, then you're going to make a great living and be able to continue doing your art and all that stuff if you're like me and you're a you know kind of a instrumentalist sideman with some different projects going on here and there you know you're going to have to have some different things going on yeah you know? for sure and I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket like if I just went after session work then I'm sitting at the house waiting on the phone to ring you're right. at the mercy of everybody else yeah you know, and it's competitive and there's, there's, there's projects that you're going to be great on and there's projects that you're not going to get called for because mm -hmm. you're just not the guy to do it. Right. There's very few people in town that are, that can do everything. I mean, everybody wants to feel like they're versatile, but that's a tricky thing, man. I mean, to really be a great session player, you have to be able to really, really be versatile and especially with the modern music. I mean, there's so much of that that goes into it. It's just crazy. I mean, you know, and there's guys that are great at it. And uh, that's just all, it's all just different things, you know. I kind of like to have a little bit of everything going on because it keeps me from getting bored. Mm -hmm. And if one thing is kind of like churning over here that might be happening in a year, mm -hmm. we're building it up, building it up. Well, while that's building over here and we're putting a little effort into that, well, then you got these four or five things over here that are making money and you know, you're able to survive mm -hmm. on that. So it's all just all these, just juggling all these different things. You seem like you got a true entrepreneurial mindset when it comes to well, this business. Well, I've had to. Yeah. You know, because uh, I kind of just got over the, this uh, a couple years ago of, of, of being like, kind of like uh, chasing something that I really wasn't sure if I wanted to do or not. Mm -hmm. Because... And, you're talking about just being a sideman or... No, being, um, being like... Uh, totally involved in like the commercial music aspect of Nashville like pop country like mm -hmm. all the big records that are being made and touring with those big acts mm -hmm. like uh, you know insert I'm not going to name any names okay. but, but but insert any of those big country, pop country acts so you've been asked and you've had to turn bad. down a lot of I've turned down a yeah. good, good bit of, of uh, tours for that I mean I mean if somebody calls me to play on a record yeah, I'm gonna take it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play on pretty much anything somebody calls me for, within reason. I mean, if it's something that I know is just gonna be, you know, either not pay really that well, or be really bad music, or not professional, or go to somebody's home studio and you're waiting, you know, thirty minutes for them to get their computer working right or something. It's like, no, man, <laughs> I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. But you know, session works great. It pays good. It's in town. Mm -hmm. You're gonna drive somewhere and play on music and uh for a day or a couple days or a couple weeks yeah and you're in town you're, you're making music it's great but just being able to kind of pick and choose a little bit of what you do is is good and i think people respect that you know yeah if you say no to some things that you don't want to do unless you really need the money and that's a whole other conversation right. about negotiating like well you got a lot of young people come to me and are asking like hey man you know I'm, i just moved here and I want to get more involved in session work or whatever touring and everybody wants to play. And I said, well, if you're, if you need the work, then do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't need the work, 
then don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's something you don't want to do, or if somebody calls you and says, hey, man, I want, can you come play on these five songs over at my home studio? I can pay you 30 bucks a song. It's like, well, if you just moved here and you need to make 30 bucks mm-hmm. or whatever, then go do it. Mm-hmm. But if you've been here for a while and you don't really need the money and you're kind of like, well, I probably should pass on that because right. it's just part of it, you know. And that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, I could have told you no. Like, I don't, hey, man, I don't want to come over here and do this. But I even, well, I'm I remember I, get, I gave you the out, too. I was literally sitting in my, I was literally, literally sitting in my house and he calls and yesterday and goes hey man are you almost here and I'm like fuck <laughs> I completely forgot about it man. but I, I, I felt wanna... terrible I, I'm not a flake uh, and, and no. I try to pride myself in like showing up on time and stuff but it was Listen. just it's been one of those weeks with the ice storm everything got pushed to the beginning of the week now I'm gonna make a ton of excuses but but I, I gave you the out when I went out to Acme. I even I tried I to know. even undersell it. I was just like, listen, just say no, but no, <laughs> no, no, this no. podcast. It's fine. Um, but hey, man, all that other stuff aside, man, I mean, you know, uh, you know, living in this town and being able to play the guitar and play with amazing musicians, it doesn't get any better, man. And, and Nashville's a, it's an awesome town, and it's growing mm-hmm. rapidly. And, you know, they're tearing down some cool stuff. Yeah. I wish they would have left, but they're... I mean, a lot of people are moving here. I think it's good for all of us, man. We're all going to benefit from it in some way. And we'll meet new people. And I already have, you know, meeting a bunch of new people. You and friends of mine that I've seen down at Acme all the time that are new new guys in town. And they want to play. And everybody's eager to work and mm-hmm. and uh, get to know each other and all that. So, And most everybody's nice, man. I mean, you don't meet many people that, are, that aren't nice. I mean, most everybody's pretty nice. Yeah. And there's some of us that are, have been here a while and have worked enough to where we're, we're not going to like um, sugarcoat anything. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat anything Yeah. because it's not, it's a waste of my time and your time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's just kind of life to me. You know I mean? I, I grew up around a bunch of older guys and a lot of them in this town that, I mean, man, that you, you, when you went in to record with them, they scared you. I mean, yeah. they, they were like, look, man, you, you know, get ready. Cause those guys are not going to take it easy on you and they're not they're not like assholes and they're they're not like douchebags or anything like that they're just hardcore man i mean you know you they take it seriously mm-hmm. and the music that they've made is great and you know they're not going to like they're not going to take it easy on you man i mean and it was the greatest thing ever because i learned like to have you got to kind of have a little bit of a thick skin in this business because mm-hmm. I mean sometimes you know not everybody's going to like your stuff you know and you might do something and somebody goes hey man you know that was out of time or it was out of tune or it's like man you know check your tuning check it you know it's out of time let's do this one more time it's like you got to be ready for that and go okay man hey let's yeah. do it you know it's like okay I need to do this better yeah all that kinds of stuff man but for anybody that has just moved here or that's getting involved in music I mean just the only thing you can do is you got to be good Mm-hmm. And you got to just be persistent and keep going with whatever you're doing and find something you want to do and make it happen. You know, don't the worst thing that young kids could do that move here is try to be like somebody else. Hmm. The worst thing you could do is try to be like somebody else because there's already those guys are already here. They're already doing it. They're yeah. already doing that. If, if you want that guy, then they're going to call that guy. Mm-hmm. But if you can offer something unique that like you're influenced by Latin music, I am too. And, he's influenced by who he's influenced by and you know we're all going to come to the common ground on certain players like you know i mean i like Jimi hendrix you probably like Jimi hendrix mm-hmm. you probably like Jimi hendrix yeah. but then from that down the the there's these like pinnacle people that we're all going to like you know i mean mm-hmm. you know um, whoever it is iconic players and then from that down this tree is like all our individual influences and it gets more and more specific as, as each person's influences mm-hmm. you know branch out I mean, so that's you... gonna that's gonna go down to like you know I might like if we talked about guitar players and musicians all day long we would get to a place where I would say hey man I really love this guy and you might go man I'm not a fan of that guy mm-hmm. he's not an influence for me so that's where our playing styles would be different yeah. because you're influenced by all this stuff that you've thrown into a pot and started up as a musical gumbo if you're into that and like I've done the same thing 
I've been influenced by bluegrass mm-hmm. and blues and rock and roll and swing and jazz music and New Orleans music. And then once I got turned on to uh, Cuban music and African music, I mean, that's a whole other thing. That, that if, you're, if you really can feel some shit, I think, honestly, then that'll change your whole world. And if you don't get it, then it's too bad for you, in my opinion, because I think that's some of the greatest music on the planet. I mean, like, I, I listen to Cuban music all... If I'm in my house and I want to listen to something, I put on Pandora and I'll put on Cuban music yeah. of any kind and just do my business around the house, man, or whatever. Or if I'm driving around Nashville, I'll put on salsa music and mm-hmm. Cuban music on Pandora so it's a different song every time, just random, and I'll just crank it up and yeah. around, man. You know? That's awesome. I didn't I know that, that about music. it. Oh, yeah, man, that's that, my yeah. favorite. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then everybody knows me as being a country guitar player, but... You know, I like the style of country music. I like to, ex- to express myself on the Telecaster or whatever guitar I'm on, and I like the back pickup sound and that whole thing. But to me, man, you can incorporate that stuff into a- any style. Like if I'm playing the blues, I'm gonna do some string bending, like country style. You know, just to yeah, make yeah, yeah. Because I, I think it fits and it's cool. You know, or really, I, I mean, all those styles are related. I mean, I've used Montunos on train beats before mm-hmm. because it's it nice. it works you know yeah. and then it and then it kind of sets you apart from like the same old stuff everybody's been doing for ever you know like the pentatonic scale and like okay country you know box pattern country playing or whatever it's like why not mix all that stuff in together you know mm-hmm. i mean within taste it all it all i mean all this with an umbrella statement over all of it is a taste issue where you gotta kind of play the right thing for the right song, but Nashville will teach you that really fast. I mean, Nashville is a song town. Mm-hmm. Everybody's here to write songs because there's a lot of money in it, and they're good at you know writing songs that get on the radio and they can make a great living. So the musicians are here to support those songs, and that's really like the bottom line is the song. Mm-hmm. Nashville is like a song town. Yeah, and then all of us do our weird experimental music on you know on our gigs that where we go play but if you go to a session the first thing you better learn is it's not about you mm-hmm. at all and yeah. it's not about you playing the guitar great or <laughs> your soloing or your amazing fills or whatever i mean you better play what fits that song and it might be just doing like i mean it might just be going like i mean mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then you might not play anything for you know a chorus or something i mean or it might be like where they want you to rip. You never know, but it right. just depends on what song it is, you know. So it's all kind of to me. It all gets back to that. But you know, if you're if you're playing in a situation where you can kind of do your own thing, or you're playing some instrumentals you write, well, then that's the time to stretch out and go nuts, like mm-hmm. you know, experiment. You know, you don't want to be doing a lot of experimenting. Uh, on a session yeah I mean personally you can I mean it's kind of a two-sided thing but you do want to experiment and come up with parts and make the music happen but you don't want to be you know sometimes you don't want to be taking a lot of chances in there I mean you gotta you gotta kind of play something that you're pretty sure about Mm -hmm. because everybody's on a time schedule you know but it's weird to look out this window. And see the cars the go cars down the hill. The cars are going yeah, like, I know. like vertical. It's, it's, like, it's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. It's really wild. Um, but so, anyway, I'm rambling on about all these, all these topics. But yeah. No, that's great. Um, what I usually ask my guests is just like things about um, just like early life. And when before you came to Nashville, like did you have... Did you expect any of the success that you have now to come to fruition? Did you have that big picture in your head and you're like, I'm going to do this and be a real, you know, go-getter and just go for it? No, or... because uh, by nature I'm lazy. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, I would love to just lay on the couch all day and, and uh, you know, drink beer and listen to music and watch videos on YouTube and play guitar. And, and yeah. that's, you know, I would love, I wish I could do that on a beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. But... You know, where I grew up was pretty slow moving. I mean, I was on the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. on the Florida-Alabama state line. And um, my parents were and uncles were huge music fans. And um, my uh, dad's youngest brother, Jerry Trapp, was a self-taught musician. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they didn't really 
you know, he didn't go to college or anything like that. Much like myself, I quit high school in the ninth grade. I never went back. Never went to college. Nothing. No shit. No education really whatsoever. So I knew early on, I think it was so big that I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. Mm-hmm. I was just like going, mm-hmm. following whatever was driving me to keep playing music. Mm-hmm. And I, by no means did I ever have a plan at all. I mean, I was just completely going with whatever felt right, you know. And I would play with uh, my uncle after school, and I you know, started playing the harmonica. And then that was really young. I was like seven years old. And then after that, I started picking up the guitar, and then really started taking that seriously when I was like probably ten to thirteen. I really jumped in and started like learning video, like learns from videos and like learned how to play up the neck where I was stuck down here in the bluegrass position. You know, I couldn't solo anywhere up here. Once I learned my chord positions up the neck and how all that related, then I could start playing up the neck and learning how to play the guitar. Now, was bluegrass really big where you came from? I learned a lot from a lot of bluegrass players down there. That was probably, yeah, there was a lot of bluegrass and then folk music. And then blues, jazz, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, I met some guys from New York. They turned me on to jazz and mm-hmm. blend, like some real, like the real stuff, you know. And then. What was the jazz guitar record that kind of blew your mind? Off the man, bat? I don't know. Who, would I, who did I hear back in the day? It's like. Man, I can't even remember. I mean, just. Man, to be honest with you, some of the first jazz I heard was my uncle played me a couple of John Luke Ponty records. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Electric violin yeah. player. Zappas. Yeah. Violinist, yeah. I heard a bunch of that stuff growing up. And then, you know, um, I don't know what jazz records did they have. I, they had some Schofield records mm-hmm. and stuff back then, but I didn't get it back then. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't hearing those harmonies. Yeah. To where now he's my favorite in the world. Mm-hmm. I love Schofield and what he does. But back then, man, I, my ear wasn't developed enough to get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that stuff yet, but um, a lot of bluegrass, a lot of stuff like that. But I think I think that's what got my chops together, my right and left hand, where it was the bluegrass because mm-hmm. it's so so fast. Mm-hmm. And you know the thing with bluegrass that is equivalent to like jazz musicians is for one thing it's free impro- impro- improvisation. Mm-hmm. It's a free form of music when you're soloing and stuff, and then you got to be really precise. You know, I mean, if you're if you're playing bluegrass and you're really sloppy, then you're you suck. <laughs> you're playing it you wrong. Know? Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, those guys are really precise. Mm-hmm. It's not like rock and roll where being a little sloppy or blues is where it's okay. Right. Or it's more okay. Mm-hmm. Like with blues and I mean with uh, bluegrass and jazz, it's like the guys that are great are like really technically they can they've got chops mm-hmm. and they're they're um, they're very clean and precise and. I think that was instilled in my brain early on with the bluegrass stuff because all the guys that I wanted to be like were, were badasses. I mean, like Jerry Douglas and Sam Bush and Tony Rice, David Grisman, Stuart Duncan, Mark O'Connor, Bela Fleck, you know, all the mm-hmm. new acoustic guys. And then I ended up meeting Sam Bush when I was six or seven years old with my dad. He promoted Newgrass Revival down to the Gulf Coast a couple of times. And I got to know those guys. So when I moved up here... Uh, I ended up touring with Jerry Douglas for like seven years and playing uh, acoustic and electric guitar and mandolin with him. And uh, played a couple records, played on a couple of his records. Oh, great. And then lately have been, you know, the past, I don't know, maybe five years, I've been playing on a bunch with Sam on different things and mm-hmm. work with John Oates and he'll come out and play with us and come sit in with our 18 South band and jam mm-hmm. with his band at Telluride. And, you know, it's just been really kind of a dream come true. To work with the guys that you idolized when you were a kid, you know, mm-hmm. pretty wild, man. And so you you cut your teeth on all the bluegrass stuff down well, where you grew up, and then kind of yeah. What did your folks feel about you not wanting to? But do... at the same time with the bluegrass, I was still I was jamming on the electric guitar to the mm-hmm. Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner and you know all these different like blues rock band Paul Butterfield and um, Johnny Winter. Yeah. So I was learning like some blue Eric Clapton, you know, and mm-hmm. all these guys like, Stevie Ray. I had all those records when I was a kid. So I was shedding like the blues rock kind of sound. Mm-hmm. My uncle's had a three eight ES three forty seven or something, and I would just crank up the distortion and and just sit in there and just wail away all day long, you know. Yeah. So that's how I kind of got into the electric guitar. So those things together mm-hmm. kind of happened, you know. But there weren't really many electric guitar gigs down there until we formed our own band okay. later on in life. But 
I joined this bluegrass band when I was like 12 years old, played mandolin with these older guys from Pensacola Beach, and we did some festivals and stuff, and we wore like matching American flag shirts and like the whole thing. You know, it's just, it's like, <laughs> I think that one of the older guys has passed away now. His name is Vince Sarah. He was like, gave me my first drink. Like we had, we were drinking, you know, uh, Canadian Club and, and, uh, and uh, Ginger Ale. Uh-huh. Like backstage before a gig, I'm like, I, you know, it's like I had my first drink. This guy hooked me up. <laughs> the rest is like, written. Holy shit, man! So <laughs> we did that for a while, and then I I met this guy Gove Scrivener, who's a Nashville songwriter that lived up here for a long time. He had a lot of success in the '70s. Wrote a bunch of songs with. He was in with like Cowboy Jack Clement and um, you know all these people that I could go on and on. Emmy Lou Harris and all these people that he mm-hmm. knew and lived with. Uh, Delbert and all this stuff and. He wrote these amazing songs. Well, I, he moved down to the Gulf Coast, and I started playing with him. And then that's kind of... He brought me up here for the first time when I was a teenager. We did a record, met all these people. And then I moved... And then I went back to the Gulf Coast after that, and then moved up here years later. Years and la- years later. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just all the stuff. So then I played with him for a while down on the Gulf Coast. Then met this guy from New York, and then we started doing, uh, like, playing all this swing Mm-hmm. and jazz music you know which I still don't really play jazz but uh, you know we learned all these songs that he writes and all this stuff all this really cool like you know we did like all kinds of old standards and cool stuff you know like blues and jazz songs from, from like New York and then and then we formed a full band called the Filthy Rich and we played all over the Gulf Coast we did all the weddings all the parties all mm-hmm. the clubs we were, we were like the best band down there played original music huh. and some covers and stuff but like you know, did like anything from like Muddy Waters to, um, oh God, man, who were some like, like uh, Slim and Slam, we did some stuff and um, like all kinds of like jazz and swing stuff. But uh, so then when that kind of faded out and I guess got burned out on the Gulf Coast, I moved up here. Mm-hmm. Did you have any connections up here at the time? I did, yeah, but nobody helped me. <laughs> I mean, really? really, it was like I had a lot of connections up here, but everybody, it's like... Everybody's in their own world. They can't take a chance on, on you. It's mm-hmm. like you got to build your reputation up. I mean, people got to hear you play. I yeah. mean, people want to know. I get emails and messages on all the social media every day of people going, man, how do we get into Nashville? How do we break into the scene? How do we get into the mm-hmm. Nashville? I was like, man, you got like, to... What do I do? What do I do? I said, man, you got to get out and play. Mm-hmm. People got to hear you. Mm-hmm. This is not a town that you can tell people how good you are. Yeah. It's not. You, people got to hear you in this town. Mm-hmm. They got to come down and watch you kick ass, and then right. they're gonna say, "Man, this guy, call this guy, man. Let's see, we, let's see what he can do in the studio. Let's see if he can play like this on on our gig, mm-hmm. you know, and fit that, you know." So the thing about Nashville is, there's a guy here that you can call for for anything you want to do. Right. You know, if you want the best slide player, there's a guy for that. Right. If you want the best you know acoustic rhythm there's a guy for that or 10 guys for that or mm-hmm. there's guys you can call for everything here and so what were the the early gigs that you were doing because i know you play with don kelly but like how long did it take you for you to kind of so when i first moved here i moved on to music row i had a little apart tiny tiny apartment on music row for like 570 bucks a month or something and i had there was so little room in there that i was putting guitar speakers in the oven <laughs> to store them because I didn't I don't cook and I don't didn't have any storage room so I was like putting stuff in the oven because that's all the room I had <laughs> so like after that so when I was living there I was still going down to the Gulf Coast I'd go down to the Gulf Coast for like a week or two make some money come back up pay my rent and then oh, keep, okay. ne- keep networking in Nashville so I had that little yeah. case in the hole I could go down there and work but man, that wasn't going to last long. I mean, I didn't want to drive six, uh, six or seven hours every other week down to the Gulf Coast, but I had to. That was yeah. like, uh, okay, until you're making, uh, until this comes up to yeah. where this is, yeah, you got to go do it. So I went down there, make made a pile of money, came back, yeah, and then you know paid my bills and continued to network in Nashville. So the only thing I knew to go, like when I was uh, down in Pensacola at the music store, the guy goes. I, oh, I heard this steel. I heard these steel guitar bends on the CD player, and I was like, "Man, who the hell is that?" And the guy goes, "He goes, man, we were just up in Nashville at the Nam show, and we heard this guy Johnny Highland playing at Roberts with Don Kelly." And I was like, "Oh no, kid!" And I was like, "Man, that's a great bend. He did some kind of like uh, uh, I don't know what he did. Like uh, he did something that caught my ear, and I was like, 
damn, that's cool. I said, who's that guy? And then they go, hey, he plays with Don Kelly at Roberts. He's like the godfather of Broadway, you know. <laughs> He's had every band, like Brent Mason. They were, all the tele players have been in that band. Yeah. So I said, well, man, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll go down there here and hear these guys, you know, and like see what I can do. So I'd go down to Roberts, man, every week. Every yeah. weekend I'd go down there and stand in the doorway. Like, stand, like the, here's the door. I'd walk in two steps and stand up at the uh, where the ATM is right now and stand yeah. right there. And the stage was to your, you know, it was right across there. So, so you were right next to the guitar. player. I was right next yeah. to the guitar player where people are walking in the door. I just kind of lean against the wall and hang out there and and uh, you know, talk to these guys. And so I told Don, man, I, I talked to him like all the time. I, I said, man, I said, look, I came from a band, not too much unlike this from the Gulf Coast where we we're doing a lot of fast playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and man, I said I can play this gig. I said, you know, if you ever need a sub. Let me come down and and uh, and sub for Johnny sometime, you know, because mm-hmm. I knew I could play that gig. And he goes, <clears throat> he goes, man, you know, we don't we don't really ever let anybody sit in. He goes, man, he goes, I talked to him a little bit and I got to know Don a little bit, you know. And this went on for probably three months <laughs> or maybe more. Yeah. And then, uh, so finally, man, this guy that I knew from the Gulf Coast because they had the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival down on the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. So he goes. He goes, man, Don, have you ever heard this guy? And Don goes, no, but he comes down here every week, you know. <laughs> and Joe's son, he goes, he goes, man, you gotta let this guy get up and play sometime. And uh, Don goes, really? And uh, he goes, he goes, yeah, man. So Don goes, hey, man, next Wednesday or he goes, next Sunday, come down and bring your guitar. And he goes, I'll get you up and play on a couple of tunes. And Kenny Vaughn was playing that night with him. Oh wow! And I brought this Guild Hollow body I had. I didn't even bring a Telecaster because I knew Don loved the blues. Uh-huh. And I knew he'd like that, you know. So I went down. I, I kind of like thought that out. I was like, I'm gonna take my guilt because I can tell this guy likes the blues, and I'm gonna do that something different, you know. And he loved it. He goes, man, this is awesome. He goes, he goes. I tell you what, man, Johnny's leaving this band. He goes, if you want this gig, you can have it. I said, absolutely, man. of course, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. So then, uh, after that, you know, I played with Don for four years, but. Uh, after playing with him for about a year or two, I started getting some offers. Patty Lovelace came in. Mm-hmm. She heard that I was playing down there. She came in. She ended up hiring me for a couple of her records mm-hmm. and I toured a bunch of tours with her for f- six or seven years. I toured off and on with her. And then I got the call from Jerry Douglas. Patty, I quit Patty's band because I didn't, I wasn't having fun anymore. So I was down at Todd Sharp's amp, amp shop. And uh, the phone rang, and I picked it up, and I said, hello? And Jerry goes, hello, is this Guthrie? I said, yeah. He goes, hey, man, this is Jerry Douglas. He goes, would you be interested in playing some guitar for me? I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I've been listening to you since I was born, man. Uh-huh. I said, absolutely. So that whole thing happened. We toured for years and years and years and played on a couple of his records, and then we opened up for Paul Simon for three months and got to hang with Steve Gadd every day. And Cool. It was awesome, man. <laughs> It was killer. Yeah. I had lunch with Steve Gadd every day and uh, hung with those guys. But So then when Jerry's thing ended, I decided to just stop going on the road. I was like, man, I think I'm going to hang in town and okay. just try to get... You know, I mean, that That was the point where I was like, man, I'm going to try to like chase the session thing and like do sessions all the time. That was like the... You know, people move here, they're like, they want to be session guys. That's like the pinnacle of people's, yeah, you know what they think is the coolest thing here mm-hmm. which I know now is not mm-hmm. why, why you not know? well man a lot of these guys in the studio and it's great to make music mm-hmm. but I like doing the the projects I get called to do right which are like you know work with Frank Liddell and do you know records with him like um, we did the Pistol Annies which was awesome yeah There's different projects with him um, I'm drawing a blank like some um, um who else have I worked with with him? I don't want to name too many names on here, but like um, just projects that aren't super commercial. Mm-hmm. Like we even did like some Kelly Pickler stuff one time that was really good. I mean, it wasn't com- super commercial, you know. Mm-hmm. But people know that I don't really want to do and can't really play commercial music that well. I mean, yeah. I can do it a little bit, but it's going to be my take on it, you know. It's not going to be like stuff that you hear on the radio. Yeah. It's just not you know so I, I i'm in i'm at a place now where what i was kind of trying to say in the beginning of not chasing the music row session scene mm-hmm. because 
it's a bunch of music that we don't want to play. They're going to make great money playing on those records. I mean, those guys make six figures a year playing on those records. Mm -hmm. The guys are getting called to do all the stuff. But, you know, man, I mean, I found out that, uh, for one thing, I don't like that music. That's why I'm not good at playing it, because mm -hmm. I don't listen to it, and I don't like it. And why not develop your own thing, man? If you got a little bit of a name as a guitar player, develop that, man. I mean, do do what do what you want to do, and you're going to be successful at it. You know, if you if you're if you're not doing what you want to do and what your single artistic voice is, and you're chasing something else, that's no way to live, man. Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna get old, and you're gonna look back on your life and go, man, I never really did what I wanted to do. I was chasing this. They rabbit did. or this carrot yeah. over you know, over here you know like, and, and that didn't even and that didn't work either, either. Yeah. because really really my heart wasn't in it and I wanted to be doing this yeah but there's a lot of guys that their heart is in that and mm -hmm. they love going down there and making those records and they're great at it because they love to do that mm -hmm. so I'm just over chasing stuff that I don't want to do well that's cool you that know? you came that's to, the that best thing that I could advise that because I could tell oh, that it took years it, and, and you really have yeah. to kind of work it out like oh absolutely yeah but, I mean, I didn't like go to therapy or anything. <laughs> no, but with but, yourself, but, you had to really. And I, and I did, and I really just it just kind of dawned on me one day, mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I've, I think I'm kind of like over this. Yeah, you know? it was that's a very a great it feeling. was a very liberating yeah, feeling. Liberating, yeah, exactly. It and, was because now I'm like I'm happy with these projects I got going on. I'm happy with the musicians and the music I'm playing. I'm getting to play a lot of my original music. Mm -hmm. And with this you night know, at Acme, I mean... I'm sure, and with like, that's a great platform to mm -hmm. be able to do, you know, all these things, so... Mm -hmm. um, it seems like a lot of... Uh, it's a new establishment, and it's yeah. uh, it's a cool cool hang and a cool scene, and everybody's hanging out there. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so you get a lot more exposure, and... Yeah, all those things. I mean, yeah. it's all good. I mean, you know... And I am a pretty tenacious um, networker and self-promoter and I mean once I saw that people were kind of digging a little bit of something then I like went with it did a record you know had some articles and mm -hmm. hired some people to help with the publicity and all that kind of stuff which you got to do I mean it's yeah. it's unfortunate that you got to really shameless shamefully self-promote yourself yeah. shamelessly self-promote but, but I, I do I do that you know because I mean and everybody does. That's what we do here. I mean, everybody's their biggest fan in Nashville. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know, if you can do it in a way that's like I'm confident about it. You know, because I'm just because I'm doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And if I go out and and you know the people that play music with me in town, they like doing it because I'm not afraid to take chances that a lot of people would be afraid to take. It seems yeah. like that because you're a guitar player by trade, and right. that is not really someone like. People, what we do in our society is we we put on a pedestal like someone like John Mayer who sings and writes songs right. and plays guitar. And he's or, an artist. He's an artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you came in and you were working and you're doing sessions and you're doing road work and you're playing at Roberts with Don Kelly and you're still coming out as like this is who I am still as a great player and as a guy that's very versatile and but as you know his own artistic sound at the same time. Right. So you're really. Yeah, yeah. You're really promoting that, and that's... I am, because yeah. I, I believe in it, and, and I, I like the tunes that we come up with, either with my trio, with or our trio, with Tar, mm -hmm. uh, me and Pete Appett and Michael Rhodes. We have a trio that we're going to do a record with this year, and then I'm going to do a solo record this year. I might do an acoustic record. Cool. Uh, I want to do a live DVD, because people want to see live stuff, so uh, anytime you post... You know, people are weird, man. Like, you know, if you post a... Uh, something on say Facebook if you put something in just text then you get a certain amount of feedback mm -hmm. but if you add a video or a photo to it mm -hmm. it's yeah. more it's like people want to see yeah. something and people's people's uh, attention span is so short you know <laughs> you crazy. gotta you gotta have something to like I mean it's almost like I told my buddies the other day we were rehearsing to, to learn, learn some new songs to do it Acme with the house band and it's like, man, it's almost like music is not enough these days. You gotta have, like, I mean, for the majority of the millions of people that live in America, music is just not enough anymore. Mm -hmm. there, there's a certain percentage of people that, like us, to where music is enough. Yeah. And I would rather watch some fat guy on stage that hadn't had a bath in three days <laughs> that, that 
you know, is bald and, and doesn't have mm-hmm. his shirt on or whatever. In, insert whatever bizarre shit you can. Yeah. I would much rather see that guy kicking ass with some great music than some super polished light show, you know, <laughs> yeah. sparkle britches bullshit, you know? Well, it's I, real. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to... <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I don't want to see that. And, and I get the, the the thing about putting on a great show because on, on on the other hand, you don't want to see a bunch of guys just standing there bored going yeah. through the motions either. And I get that part of it. I mean, one of the greatest live shows I think I've ever seen in my life was Paul McCartney at Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a four million dollar show. Mm-hmm. The band sounded great. Of course, he played thirty three epic songs. Yeah, you know, the stage was Vegas times a thousand i mean it was a it was the biggest production most elaborate thing i've ever seen in my life uh and i think i was in my right mind enough to know that that's true (laughs) but what i'm saying is is that show was bad to the bone yeah and i mean it was amazing to see it's great to see a great production but the music's got to back it up yeah you can't be supplementing your show with the glamour and the you know, lights and all that stuff. If your music can't hold up to it, yeah. that's what me- real musicians and real people are going to see right through immediately. Mm. Or some guy on stage that's like holding the guitar between his legs and doing this. It's like, <laughs> dude, we can tell you're trying too hard immediately. But if yeah. you're Keith Richards, then you're the coolest guy in the world, right? Because he's not trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Those guys are true rock and rollers, man. They're they're they don't need to pose and stand like this and like do this whole thing and wear their sunglasses like all the time. Like what's his name on the radio, but. It was crazy yeah. when I moved to town and I was meeting uh, yeah. musicians who went to MI in LA and uh, stuff, and they would have classes of like stage performance and how to hold the guitar and the yeah, angles yeah. to move oh, yeah. your. It's like you paying all that money to just yeah. have someone tell you how to stand, and it's like, pretty. It's pretty crazy, man. But the thing about it is, is like there's so many different viewpoints on how to look at this business. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different opinions and and people's ideas and how they look at everybody looks at it different you know uh, i mean there's the people here that are that are that really don't know what good music is and they're making a lot of money with writing music writing music yeah. and they're making a lot of money with commercialism and and they're mm-hmm. pumping that shit down everybody's throat and all the real players and the people that really love music we hate that yeah but we're not stupid enough to not go play on those sessions if somebody calls me <laughs> yeah you know what i mean i'm not that like I'm not going to cut off my nose to spite my face. Okay, if, yeah. If, if somebody calls me to play on a Jason Aldean record, which they probably never will, mm-hmm. I'd go do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. But don't ask me to go tour with them. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or invest a lot of time in, yeah. in something like that. That's that's kind of the thing. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that are really great at bridging that gap of, of commercialism versus art. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some songwriters here that I get to work with, and they're my good friends that... I mean, they're, they're some of the greatest songwriters on the planet, but they also know how to write for their career and their yeah. their income, you know? So a song, so, like you're talking about some songwriters that will write a very commercial, almost like, just to the point of like cheesy commercial, but they can also, when they're for writing them, for themselves. I would say, yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, hey, look, man, you know, when I look at it, it's like, you know, one of my good favorites good friends favorite songwriters in the in the in the world he's got some songs that'll just blow your mind yeah over here uh-huh for himself and, and some of those yeah. have been cut okay you know, there's been some great ones that have been cut but what he's most well known for in you know popular music are the ones that are a little bit more cheesy uh-huh. that are that are that are more like you know, uh, having a drink on the beach, and <laughs> yeah. that's what people uh, identify with. It's like uh, Kenny Chesney right. getting on the Jimmy Buffett kind of, in my opinion, bandwagon. Yeah, and Kenny's fantastic. I mean, he takes great care of his band. I mean, there's nothing you can say bad. Those guys, it's just a big business. You know, there's so much money involved in there. I mean, that's a big business, and. He got on the beach thing, and like then everybody's on the beach thing. It's like, okay, now it's country music. We've gone to the beach. Yeah. And it's like, okay, man, whatever. I grew up on the beach, and it's like, well, it's fine if you want to do all that. But, you know, it went that way. Yeah. You know, and then for a minute, and then now everything is... It's funny the trends the same. here. I mean, 
like the with that YouTube with video, the, the, the mashup YouTube yeah. video. Did you see that of the eight country songs that were mashed up right. together? They were all four, one, five, six right. chord oh, yeah. progressions. Yeah. Um, and it and they you know some songs were pitched up, some were pitched down. The tempo was the same, but it was like the lyr- lyrically the melodies kind of all worked together. It was weird. But I haven't a, seen that yet. I'm gonna go watch that today. Yeah. The licks, yeah. <laughs> it was just like call and answer, and the, the, the lyrical content was very similar for between all the songs. Yeah, man, but it is. It's crazy. I mean, you know, really, if if you really want to get down to what I, how I believe, it's it's like there's a there's just a really small percentage of people that understand and hear music the way musicians do, and. Unfortunately, man, we're just in a small percentage yeah. to where you can, you got to get over it. You, you know? feel like and everybody's I crazy. With it. I struggle with it constantly yeah. because, you know, I know the music that we're playing is good because I've had enough feedback and I've had enough people that I really respect either hire me or tell me or somehow let me know that, hey, man, this is good. It's good music. And the proof is in the pudding with that kind of stuff. I mean... I tell people all the time, it's like, look, man, if a bunch of people are coming up to you, to you in a bar and telling you how great you are, you know, you probably really shouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that. I mean, just tell them thanks, and, and it's like, don't stop practicing yeah. and quit your day job because people in a bar are telling you that you're great. But if somebody comes up to you and gives you a compliment that you really, really respect, like a fellow musician that you've listened to your whole life that you know is amazing and makes you feel something as a musician, then you can kind of just like tuck that away and go it's not like to go like yeah man I'm the baddest dude around but like say hey man it's okay to like feel good about yourself it's like you don't have to like beat yourself up all the time you know if somebody gives you a compliment and you really respect them it's like man those are life changing moments where you go holy shit man so and so just like wants me to play with them and like thinks I'm good you know it's like all right let's feel confident about ourselves and not be so self-deprecating like a lot of people are. It's like, you know, I'm trying to get over that too, man, where people, if I have what I think is not the greatest night of music, where I'm over it really, man. I mean, I used to get really bummed out if I had like a night where I didn't think the audience really loved my playing. It's like, now it's like, who cares, man? Because you know that these people don't, they don't know what good music is. I heard Joe Pass, like, towards the end of his life, he even would get so dark about himself after a gig. Be like, I can't play, I suck. Yeah, and the last thing somebody wants to hear, I mean, look, man, we've all done it. Like, like you go up to somebody and you're like, man, that was amazing. And they're like, really? It's like, I didn't think I was having really that great of a night, you know, or something. Or I'll say that too. Like, people come up and go, man, it was kick-ass. I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, I just feel like I'm obligated to tell them, like, man, you know, that really wasn't our best Mm -hmm. night. You know, why don't you come back next week when we're, when we're really going to be slamming, you know? It's like, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. They just want to hear you go, man, thanks a million. <laughs> I had fun. Yeah. You know? It was fun. Thanks for saying that. I mean, and you're not letting them down. And you, there's no reason to stand there and go, oh, man, yeah, that's, I got you, man, I'm sorry, you know? Yeah. Thanks for saying that, but God, this, this sucked, you know? <laughs> it's like man there's not nobody wants to hear that we don't want to hear it if we go up to one of our favorite people and go man that was awesome I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed that I don't know to and me they go, I kind of like it because it kind of humanizes the person well it does but it's like how, how really sometimes like how how uh, genuine is that to yeah you? I mean some people do it all the time mm-hmm. and it's like man just get over it yeah I mean dude if you go up there and kick some ass say hey man that was, that was awesome I had a blast playing because most of the time it is a blast especially you know I'm 36 years old I'm not a youngster I'm not an old dude anymore I'm kind of like mid middle age so I've done enough of this to where I can kind of feel confident about like the group of musicians that I work with I know when we go play it's going to be pretty damn good mm-hmm. because I've tweaked my life and played enough to where I've got a really great group of friends and musicians around me that enable me to completely express myself on my instrument. And like if I'm if I'm in a situation where I get called by a band to go play or something and I'm not having fun, man, I'm out of there. 
Yeah. I'm not going to do it. And I'm probably not going to take the gig. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask so many questions on the phone when they call <laughs> that they're probably not going to want me there anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. cause it's just, just doing it a long time. I mean, anybody that's half my, or like that's 10 years younger than me or 15 years younger than me, they're going to be doing all that stuff that I'm talking about because they're younger mm-hmm. and they just moved here and they've only been here for five years. Mm-hmm. And when I was here for only five years, I was taking every gig I could possibly get. I was doing showcases at Third and Lindsley and Twelfth and Porter, mm-hmm. barely knowing how to read a chord chart, wow. which I still barely know how to read a chord <laughs> chart. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, mean, I was taking everything. Yeah. Basement studios, uh, drive to Hendersonville and play on some guy's studio for 50 bucks or something, yeah. or whatever. You're going to do what you have to do to be able to do what you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think, I just wish that people would think about it in a way of like, man, don't overthink music, mm-hmm. play what you want to play, do what mm-hmm. you want to do, find a way for you to be able to do what you want to do because there's a place for it. Find your niche, find a way to do what you want to do. If you love backing up artists and you want to go out there and ride on a tour bus under a bunch of big lights and play on huge country music festivals if that's what makes you feel happy and you want to do that man go do that and there's a lot of guys that do I mean they love doing that and but you know I personally have experienced enough of that to where I'm okay with not doing yeah. it you know but you know I'm kind of chasing my guitar thing around man to where I want to just I want to play the guitar and have people buy my quirky instrumental music and maybe take a lesson or or, um, you know, buy my pedal or check some stuff out. I mean, whatever, you know, just I'm in the guitar world and I'm done chasing all that other kind of stuff. I love playing with songwriters and I mm-hmm. love backing up great artists and great playing on those great songs. I like to do that, too. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see who the next one is. Yeah. It comes well, that must have been a blast with. playing with Ashley. It was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just time to, to move on to something else. I did it all last year mm-hmm. and... Um, and uh, I put her band together and um, did all this kind of stuff. And um, that's a long story. But, it, you know, I didn't make any enemies in that camp at all or anything. We're yeah. all fine. It's just some stuff changed around mm-hmm. where I thought it would be better just to let somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. Give somebody else the opportunity to play that great music. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, want- Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah, and sharing all this. how many how many times did I put my foot in my mouth on that? <laughs> on all that bullshit. <laughs> uh, do you want to play anything? Or? Man, I'll just noodle around for a minute. Yeah, I mean, all right. you know, maybe just I'll just play a couple little things. No real songs here or anything, but. Thank you. 
Hell yeah. Something like that. Hell but, um, yeah. Just a little noodling for, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Guthrie, like for said, coming in. You're never supposed to be self-deprecating, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know what that was. It's just playing. Yeah. Which, you know, take some chances, play a little bit, and take an idea and work on it up the neck, you know, work, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Take a little chord, see what notes around there are interesting. You know, don't get caught up trying to know all the theory. Yeah. You know, if I knew theory perfectly, I played a lot less wrong notes there. But, and, but man, it's just like take chances. That's what people want to hear. You know, they don't, they don't want to hear something perfect unless you're that guy. You know, but right. you know, I want to hear somebody laying into it and taking some chances. You know, I mean, we're sitting in a small room here with a little amp and no pedals and a guitar with old strings on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, when you're out on a gig and you get a chance to blow, man, just lay into it and create something exciting. You know, I mean, that's what. The whole fun of playing music is there is no boundaries. I mean, you know, we gotta stop at stop signs and you know, not cuss and throw shit when we're in restaurants. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we gotta stay pretty. Like you know, to get through society, we have to stay pretty. Like we gotta ride this fence of like sanity. You know. Yeah. But as musicians, man, when we grab our instrument, we can be as crazy as yeah. we want and do anything we want, man. That's the beauty of music. It's it's the ultimate freedom. Sure. Well, thank you so much yeah, for man, your time. For yeah. Me. Yeah, I hope I didn't get too weird there or anything. <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Um, My pleasure. Yeah. Um, good to talk about stuff. Man. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah thank you. I want to thank Guthrie Trap again for coming on to my podcast. That was a great conversation. Um, Please go to his website, GuthrieTrap.com, to find out more about what he's up to. Uh, and I think you can find his new record, Life After Dark, on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere that you go to find music. So go check that out. All right. See you next time, everybody.